Thank you very much. It's always a delight and joy to be back here with all you wonderful people. And we have had a fantastic weekend. Thank you so much. Um, all those invitations for meals, can you go to more than one? Because I kind of got the flow. This is a church that knows how to eat meals and uh, fellowship together. So that sounded amazing. Liz and I just writing notes to take home for our own home church to start to uh, publicize more get-togethers after meetings, which is really wonderful. Um, I want to speak to you this morning on a subject I've been living with for a little while, and um, I've entitled this, uh, this talk, uh, It's Time for an Adventure. I don't know if you like the photograph. If you, this shadow here is, is me taking the photo. Um, it took a long time. That's Liz, just at the back, just there, a couple of uh, friends of ours up the front. Uh, it took a long time to just get that photo. Um, when Liz and I were in holiday back in August, uh, we were in a place called Annecy in the French Alps. I don't know if anyone's been to that part of the world. It's really beautiful, it's really stunning. And um, uh, one day we take, took a drive right up to the tops of the mountains overlooking the lake. And it was a, one of those amazing days where there wasn't a cloud in the sky and you could see for miles and miles. And um, suddenly over the top of our heads, we thought we were at the highest point we could be were these hang gliders. And these were people who'd obviously paid quite a bit of money to uh, sit in a harness, and behind them was a, hopefully, a professional. And uh, the professional was pulling. You, you, I'm sure you've all seen this. And uh, you could see, they were so close to us, you could see the, 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 the eyes of the faces of the people, and some were in absolutely shock horror look on their faces. And others were, it's just wonderful experience. And... Um, you watched somewhat mixture of, of, of emotions, these people being kind of going off the top of a, what was almost a cliff face and then soaring as high as possible. And uh, actually, listen, I had a little bit of money still on our holiday and we looked at the cost of it and we looked at the people coming off the top and we looked at one another and for about three seconds we thought, and then we thought, no. <laughs> Those days are long gone. We've been there, done it, got the... Well, we haven't, actually, but it's, you get the point. And uh, whatever you call that, it must be some kind of thrill at that moment. The, the, the adrenaline must kick in, the sense of, we're going on this wonderful adventure. Of course, it doesn't last very long. I guess it lasts for a while, but not for very long. I don't know if there's anybody here that's a Hobbit fan or Lord of the Rings, but there's an amazing passage at the beginning of The Hobbit, and if you've seen the film, it's actually pre pretty accurate in the film as well, where uh, Bilbo Baggins, this little hobbit, is in the Shire, and he's having a great time, and life is simple and straightforward. It's not complicated. There's only one thing that's really wrong. Nothing ever really happens. And the Shire is not a place of amazing excitement. If you don't know anything I'm talking about, go to the ministry team at the end of the meeting and explain <laughs> it to you. And uh, that seems to be the theme so far. Um, and uh, I, 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 it's an amazing moment when Gandalf, this wizard, turns up and he knows something about Bilbo Baggins that Bilbo Baggins doesn't even seem to know about himself, which is basically he's not made to just live in the Shire. He's actually made to go on an adventure. And, and Gandalf knows about this adventure. There's something in Hobbits that are a bit adventurous, a bit naughty, a bit kind of want to try a risk or two. And then the next scene is these dwarfs start turning up. And they, 
one comes in and another comes in. His life is very, very ordered. Something like some of us. And everything's kind of worked out. Nothing interrupts it. And then all of a sudden, these dwarfs come in. I mean, it's just hilarious. His, his house is messed up. They're not interested in order. They're on their way on a journey to see, have a great adventure. And then there's that moment when finally they all leave and Bilbo is re relieved and they've had a long conversation. You're made to go on an adventure. We're going on an adventure. You should come with us. You're key to this whole thing. And he says no and they go off. And then you see him sitting there and thinking, is this what my life's really all about? Am I made to live in the Shire or am I to go outside of the borders and go somewhere and do something? And he tussles with it, and then right at the last moment, he, he packs his bag and he runs after them, and they watch him come, and then if you know the rest, it's the beginning of an endless load of films that go on forever and ever. <laughs> but the reality is, he makes the right choice because he wakes up and realizes, yes, there's something in me that's made for something of a bit of an adventure. Now, if you look up the word adventure, whether you're into the hang gliding adventure for a moment, or incidentally, the life-changing adventure that this is now going for the entirety of his life, it's going to change for Bilbo Baggins. And if you look up the word adventure, you'll see words like this, the unknown, a risk, excitement, that which is unpredictable. These are English words trying to describe the word adventure. And, and since our holiday I don't know, something just kind of gripped me a little bit, and I started to look at my life. I wasn't going to do the hang gliding thing, but it just kind of, kind of gripped me for a moment that my life should be more adventurous than I think it probably is right now. And the adventure we're talking about this morning, for those of us who are Christians, is to do with God being in our lives. And what might that really look like? The God of the universe invades your life. That's what happens when you're a Christian. What would that look like? Well, it wouldn't look like sameness. It wouldn't look like predictability. It wouldn't look like that which you wake up in the morning, you know everything's going to happen. It would rather look like what is described as an adventure. I think if God's come with us, it will be like an adventure. And I remember when I first became a Christian, uh, it was kind of like, I, 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 I don't know if I jumped out of bed every morning, but the, the sense was, it's a new day. God has just invaded my life. He's a living God. He's with me. I wonder what's going to happen today. And as the years go by, that which was once so thrilling and exciting can actually look rather dull. It can lack expectation. You know, you, you once had great goals and aims and you actually made a plan to leave the Shire, but then children came along and the job got busy and responsibility came your way and you started to do something in the church that actually you were committed to and you had to stay doing it, which is very commendable, but something inside of you thinks, this is not quite what I thought it was going to be. It's not quite the adventure that I thought becoming a Christian might actually give to me or grant to me. And, and as the years go by, if you're not careful, you can get into a rut and you realize, I'm stuck in the Shire. You know, I'm just watching the hang gliders. 
I, I don't really want to do that sort of thing anymore. I'm convinced that the Christian life is meant to be like a most amazing adventure. And if you're here today and you're not a Christian, you might be scratching your head thinking, I never knew Christians were like that. I mean, most Christians I know don't look like that. The reality is the Christian life is an amazing adventure. And if you became a Christian, you would find that life, which can be rather predictable, can suddenly be turned upside down. Dwarfs come. <laughs> Everything gets a bit untidy. You don't know what tomorrow brings. It's all a bit rather strange, but it's wonderful because it's like an amazing adventure. Now, before I go on, I've talked about hang gliding and hobbits. Some of you are sitting here thinking, when's he going to get to the Bible? Um, and some of you are sitting there thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dave's obviously having a bit of a midlife crisis. Uh, he's probably bought a motorbike. He's going to go around the highlands at great speed. <laughs> Let me just tell you, my midlife crisis is so far behind me, I can't remember it. That is well gone. It doesn't exist. So I don't think I'm just reacting, thinking my life's coming to an end and I wish it would be more adventurous. I want to suggest to you there's two words, biblically, theologically, that absolutely support this concept of being in an adventure. And the first is the word access, and the second word is the word intimacy. Access and intimacy. When Jesus died on the cross and our sins were forgiven, a barrier was removed to the presence of God. We were made right with God because the barrier of sin was removed from us through the blood of Jesus. And if we believe in the work of the cross, the Bible says not only our sins are forgiven, but they're eradicated as far as the east is from the west. Hallelujah. But it also paved the way for access into his very presence. The veil was torn in two. The Bible describes it as a new and living way. And we can look at the old covenant, I don't know if you ever do that, describing the access that people have into the presence of God. And it's a strange description. It's about a holy of holies and then a tent and then an outer tent and then another distance, and beyond all of that were the people of God. To me, that's not describing access and intimacy. It's describing a holy God and a people who only have symbolic holiness. So actually, it is God's way of saying, if you want to survive in my presence, I have to keep you from my presence because I'm a holy God and you have a sense of holiness, someone, a priest, on on your behalf, will come into my presence once a year and then come out again, and it symbolizes that you're okay. But the one thing it doesn't describe to me is access to the very holiness and presence of God and a sense of intimacy. The New Testament comes along, the New Covenant comes along and speaks of something the opposite. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is poured out upon us. And we have access to the presence of God like we've never had before. And the glory and the presence of God now has access, as it were, into you and into your life. Jesus said, it's better for me to go to be with the Father, because when I come, I I will come to you and I will dwell within you. Let's just look at some verses that Jesus mentions to talk about 
this sense of access and intimacy. I want you to really get hold of these things because this is obviously a word not about you being an adventurous person. This is not a word about personality traits. You can be naturally the most boring, unadventurous person. You're probably sitting next to them right now. Never takes a risk, very cautious, shire-like for the rest of your life. And yet when God comes in, your personality may not change. You might still be a kind of naturally cautious, non-risk-taking person. But because God comes, everything has the potential to change. Our adventure is not to do with me or you or the type of personality we are. This is for hang gliders who want to do it again and again and for those of you who don't even want to risk it. This is for all of us who are children of God, every one of us on the venture. John chapter 14, verse 18. Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Now watch this very carefully. Yet in a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me, because I live, you also will live. And in that day you will know that, look at this, I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, brackets, not Iscariot, if your name was Judas, you'd love those brackets to come every time, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. Look at this. And, and we will come to him or to her and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words and the, world that, the word that you hear is not mine but the father's who sent me. This wonderful promise of the invasion of the presence of God by which we have access and intimacy with God. Notice this phrase, I, you in me, I in you. You in me, I in you. It's God being in you. It's remarkable. This is no longer about standing outside the tent in the cold in the desert. This is an amazing invitation for the most remarkable access to the very presence of God on an everyday basis and that his invasion as he comes into our lives. Look at verse 20, look at verse 23. In you, in you, in you. This is the kind of thing that's going there. Then you turn to John chapter 15, and again in verse 4. Abide in me and, look, here's the phrase, I in you. When we talk about abiding, I often preach on abiding. I'm often talking about various aspects. I want to just draw the, this, this wonderful phrase, God in you. This, this God in you is what causes your life to be turned upside down and be the most amazing adventure that anyone could ever have. As the branch cannot bear, bear, bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, look, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. John chapter 17 and verse 26. Again, Jesus is speaking and says, I made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known that the love which, with, which, with, with which you have loved me 
may be in them and I in them. It's, I mean, I haven't got time this morning to unpack this, but here's the Trinity, Father, Son and Holy Spirit having this intimate access, complete unity and delighting one another. And if you look at those verses, it's like they're saying, and you can come, and you can come into this as well. I mean, <laughs> wake up. It's the most extraordinary, I mean, this is either ridiculous or it's the most extraordinary thing you could ever. How on earth can you live a dull, boring, samey life when you're invited to come into the relationship that the Trinity have with one another? Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, this is what's going to happen. This is access. This is intimacy. I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. I mean, I think the concept of Jesus coming in to eat with you and have a meal with you is remarkable. It's like Jesus is saying, I'm coming to stay. I mean, most uh, people in the UK, (laughs) if a stranger comes to your door, even a friend, might even be a family member actually, that you haven't invited, uh, and and it's off limits, you stand at the door while they knock and have a conversation. Very few of us actually invite them in. Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock and I'm going to come in. He's already in. (laughs) He's already sat down. He's already waiting for the food to be prepared because in... Middle Eastern culture at that time, that was exactly what it meant. To come in and to fellowship was to eat. It's talking about intimacy. It's it's talking about a God who's going to invade every part of your life. This whole thing that we're reading about in Scripture is not describing a God who's distant, that you can know certain facts about. This is certainly not describing a Sunday God who we occasionally think of, as we've done this morning in meeting, but we're not going to think about him or have him in the rest of our lives until next Sunday. This is surely a God who's come to eat and abide in us and be with us, who's an everyday God and an everywhere God and an in-everything God that you and I have access. He's a God that you can access first thing in the morning. He's with you when you're going shopping. He's with you when you're with your friends down the pub. He's with you when you're driving the car. He's with you when you're on university campus. He's with you when you're a young mum at home with the kids. He's with you in the workplace. He's with you on the sports field, which I always used to remind myself of when I was a pretty decent soccer player. Even there, God is with you. It affects every part of your life. Jesus said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. The adventure for every person here this morning that is a child of God begins because this Jesus has come and he has invaded your life and the potential of risk and the unknown and the excitement and the unpredictability is there, right there. See, we make the statement this morning, Jesus is alive and he's with you. I don't think we have fully grasped what that statement might look like. It's kind of like we've become even familiar with that statement. Folks, I guess my burden this morning for you is this. Please don't stay in the Shire. When you have a God full of adventure and promise and plans for your life, that he has come and invaded you, surely there's a purpose, and that purpose 
should involve every one of us being on this remarkable adventure together with him. And this isn't a hang-gliding thing, actually. And it's not even a one moment for a day. This is a whole life adventure. And it doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, that adventure should still grip you every day. Or whether you've just been a Christian a few weeks. And whatever's happened in your life, and all the difficulties and the perplexities that happen, and it hasn't quite worked out the way I thought it would work, listen, this God has still invaded your life. So it's always a new day. There's always a reason to jump out of bed first thing in the morning. And just maybe today, there will be something happen that was not predicted. Maybe today there'll be just some kind of adventure that I hadn't planned. And, and as I think about this and wonder about what does this really look like, because it might be a mystery to some of us, I think we should just take a quick look at what it was like to be a disciple with Jesus when he was bodily here on earth. That's what I imagine, because we said Jesus is alive, surely our lives should look something like their lives, which are all described in the gospel. So when I look at the gospel, I see the lives of disciples. I don't think, oh, I wish I'd been one of them. Jesus is alive, I can be one of them. Because he's as with me today as he was with them. Just imagine what it was like for those disciples. I mean, the sheer excitement of waking up every day. What is going to happen next? Most of them had left, led so far a fairly mundane kind of life. Tax gathering and fishing were not the most exciting things to do on this planet. And suddenly Jesus invaded their lives and their rather mundane lives have become extraordinary. Not because of them. You got that, haven't you? but because of the one who's come. When he comes, everything changes. Miracles started to happen. And the disciples were part of it. He broke the bread, dished out the fish, and he said, now you do it. And they began to break the bread. Can you imagine this? And give the fish. And it kept coming. And it kept coming to feed what was probably in the end something more like 20,000 with all the kids and the wives and everybody just feeding them like this. I, I, I can't help but imagine some of the disciples were starting to go a bit like... Now, there's no way they could do this. It was because of him that the adventure of that moment began. The teaching was extraordinary. The crowds were pressing in. On some days... Everybody got healed. On other days, just one person got healed. And he woke up the next day and thought, is this an everyone gets healed day? Or is this just a one person gets healed day? And then you're walking with the crowds and another crowd comes out of the village in a place called Nain and a, a young person has died. And in those days, the tradition was the whole village would have come out. So they estimate five, six hundred people, and Jesus probably had a thousand people following him. Can you imagine that moment? And he just touches the coffin, and this child is raised from the dead. That's pretty unusual. That's pretty, that doesn't happen every day. There's something about that that produces a sense of awe and wonder and excitement. Is this going to happen tomorrow? Now, let me tell you very quickly, this adventure that they were now on with the living Jesus, that we should have as well, also had other ingredients involved in it, like things we don't understand. 
like opposition that begins to come. Disappointments. At one point, Jesus said, when the crowds had all left, this was not such an exciting day, the crowds had all left, and he says, are you going as well? So you had good days and bad days. You had days of extraordinary miracles and the raising of the dead. You had other days, and this is all part of the adventure, when you didn't really understand very much. And on one occasion, Jesus said, now you cast out the demons. <laughs> and it says of them, for they could not cast out the demons. See, the adventure is seeing the miraculous and seeing all of these things happen, but being with Jesus isn't kind of like whoopee every day. I love this phrase, where is he? <laughs> That's the phrase often comes in the Gospels as they all woke up and said, where is he? Of course, we know that he was with his father praying. Sometimes this adventure is when you wake up and you think, where is he? This doesn't feel like the miracles day. This feels empty, this feels difficult, this feels not a thing that I would perhaps have chosen. So the adventure continues and you realize that all part of the adventure is including cost and sacrifice and probably often saying, I don't really understand what's going on. Are you up for this kind of adventure? Because the adventure is not just all about glory, hallelujah. The adventure sometimes includes some very difficult times when it comes to following Jesus. It's no less part of the adventure. Looking for God coming, even in the difficult times of things we don't understand, and saying, Lord, what would you do in this? How will you get me through this? Is all part of the adventure. I don't know what your week looks like next week, but part of my week next week, this coming week, is to go into a very, very difficult situation, into a church that's going through real agony and difficulty and and, and you can just sense this thing is, is, is it even going to kind of survive? And somehow I and a few others are going in and <laughs> they're looking at us thinking, maybe we'll help. All I know is, though everything inside of me thinks, I'm not sure I really want to do this, is a part of me that's thinking, I wonder, God, what you're going to do in this situation. Because I haven't got a clue. And I wonder, Lord, what you will say to these people. And I suddenly realize this is all part of the adventure. I'm a strange person, so I'm really not looking forward to going, but I actually am, in a weird kind of way, because actually I will come back from that, and I don't know now the outcome. It's back to this unpredictable risk-taking moment. What will God do? What will he say? Jesus is with us. Surely our lives should look something like the life of the disciples who were with him when he walked this earth. He is alive. This is the Jesus we've just been talking about who's come and invaded our lives. He is with us. Let me give you, to practicalize this word, five uh, aspects of adventure. I'll do this real quick. Adventure number one, the mundane is transformed. I want to suggest to you this morning that big part of the adventure that we're on, this adventure that God wants us to take, is that much of everyday life is actually quite ordinary, and yet it has the potential to be transformed into something extraordinary because God is with us. Don't despise the ordinary side of life. It's where most people live. 
So most people live ordinary lives. If Christians always lived such extraordinary lives that those in the ordinary can't relate to you anymore, that would not be good news. So guess what? Christians live very ordinary lives. Often, if you're, if you're a Christian always looking for the extraordinary to make your day happy, you might often be quite disappointed. Here's the difference. We live very ordinary lives like people around us, partly so they can identify with us and us with them. But here's what makes the difference. Jesus has come. And my potential, I look at today, you, some of you think about some of the days you've got coming this, this week. You think, well, Monday doesn't look too, and Tuesday, that doesn't look really exciting either. Don't despise these. It's just another day. It's also a day in the very ordinary part of your life where his presence will be with you. It's also a day when the peace of God will be in you. It's also a day where you can know his joy. It's also a day when you can know his strength in your weakness. It's also a day when he can give you wisdom for things that you don't quite understand. Above all, it's a day of relating to God in the midst of the mundane and the ordinary part of your life. As I've said already, it's also that if it's a day where there's things happening that are difficult and perplexing, even there, there is an adventure because God is with you and there's the potential for amazing things to happen. Life could look and be viewed by other people as rather mundane when they look at you, but in reality, that mundane day can be totally transformed by the fact that God has come to be with you. This is a very important point. I'm obviously going to go on to others, but I want to just linger here. I feel it's important that we understand that in the extraordinary raised from the dead days and the very ordinary no one got healed and I couldn't cast a demon out of anyone day and actually nothing particularly dramatic happened on that day. I just did my normal thing and no one noticed. That day is just as extraordinary as the day when the miracles are all kicking off. Why? Because God is with you when it's not and he's with you when it is. He's with you in the valleys as well as being with you in the mountains. This adventure doesn't only happen when it's all glory, hallelujah. This adventure is happening right now. And I'm really laboring this because some of you are, are, are thinking about your lives and you're thinking there's nothing particularly. Listen, your mundane life can be transformed. It'll still look a bit mundane, but it can have massive transformation because God is with you. Sometimes young mums, we've got loads of young mums in our church at home. You seem to have quite a number as well. It's one of the ways we grow the church. And uh, it, it's, sometimes I, I have conversations with them and they're ruining, you know, when am I going to get my space? When am I going to, I need this, I, I, you know, and they kind of live in this thing as if God has departed. Whatever stage of life we're in and wherever we are, we have to understand the access and the intimacy with God is there, right there. You don't have to wait for five years. You don't have to get out or run away. He's with you right there and then. Adventure number two, hearing the voice of God. I mean, come on. My life is mundane, but God's with me. That's starting to feel adventurous. Here's another one, the adventure, the sheer adventure of hearing the voice of God. Jesus said, my sheep will hear my voice, which means all of us here today that are the sheep that Jesus has called have the potential to hear the very voice of God. This speaks of intimacy. 
Again and again in Scripture, we see the disciples and Jesus himself only doing what the Father is doing. In other words, the adventure that they're on is listening to the voice of God. And as they hear God's voice and they hear him, so Peter and James are on the way to the temple as normal. It's called the beautiful gate and there's a crippled man. He cries out to them and they say, silver and gold we haven't got, but what we have we give to you in the name of Jesus. Reach down, pour them up. And I, every time I read that passage, I think, why didn't you do it yesterday? Why didn't you do it last month? This guy's been suffering for years. And I can only conclude this was the moment that they heard the father say, now. The adventure of that is extraordinary. That in the midst of my life, me, a human being, yes, now a child of God, sheep of Jesus, can hear his voice. What an adventure. And the Holy Spirit has come within us. He's our helper to help us to hear the voice of God. So we're men and women filled with the Spirit. We're going to be hearing God speak to us. Go pray for that person. Stop and talk to this person. Our ordinary mundane lives can be transformed by a conversation with somebody that God said to you, have with them right now. So well, I passed them yesterday, Lord. I know you did, but now's the moment. And I want you to wake up to this whole excitement and adventure that that includes when we as ordinary people can hear the voice of God. A couple of illustrations just recently this year. I, was, I received um, a gift uh, of, of quite some money and I received this. There's a whole lot of things going on in our lives at that time and I really, we really needed this uh, amount of money. It was just what we wanted. It was amazing. And as clearly as I'm speaking to you now, all I can say is I heard God speak to me and say, I want you to give that to this. It was like the Lord said, and thank you very much, I'll have that. <laughs> I'm going, but I, was, I, I really need this. What are you doing? But I knew God. And when you know God said something, you, you, you just kind of have to do it. So off it went. And then I was in a slightly difficult situation that month. And I, this is, when I first became a Christian, <laughs> um, I often got anonymous gifts from people, which was extraordinary, in envelopes. Not many of you remember envelopes, but they're... They're things you lick them and you put in and sometimes you write letters. Do you want me to explain to you what a letter is or are you all right? Okay. So, and, and often I'd get cash in envelopes. And I remember after this, this, this is this year, I said, Lord, this is really crazy, but I have no idea where that money's going to come from now. You've just taken it. It's gone. Uh, but we need it. So, Lord, I, and I remember thinking, I said, Lord, I remember the early days when you used to put cash into envelopes. And I know no one does that anymore, but maybe even then, and that was it, amen. Four days later, at the end of our Sunday morning meeting, a guy in our church, who's a really godly guy, we do have some things to do with one another, but not massive, he came up to me and said, David, I, I just feel I'm meant to give you something, and he gave me this envelope. <laughs> and at the time, I thought it was a message, because often he and others would just write down little prophetic encouragements and it was when I got home and opened it up it was cash exactly the same amount of money as we'd given away at that moment in that gift this is the adventure that we're involved in you just got to wake up and realize this is just that far away from you if you hear the voice of God we have a taxi driver in our church he and his wife were saved at Ashburnham 2015 they came on site as non-christians not really knowing what they were coming to but some people invited them and they got wonderfully saved. This guy's a taxi driver. He works all hours in London, taxi, London taxi. And he's learning this. See, we're all learning this. He's only been a Christian a couple of years. 
And uh, he gets to a place where he's 800 pounds short for that month. And he knows that if he worked every minute of every hour, like 48 hours as the once month comes to an end, he could probably, um, he could probably just about make that, maybe. But he knows he's got other responsibilities, a wife and small kids, he's involved in the life of the church, and he said, Lord, I'm not going to do that. And he heard, he heard God speak to him. And God said, God said to him, you're not to worry, I'm going to provide for you. And the next day, this is absolutely true, he's in his taxi, and he takes this guy on a journey, it costs 10 quid, and they had a really good conversation, and the guy said, you know what, I don't know why I'm doing this, but last night I had a great win at the casino. Here, mate, cop this. <laughs> and he gave him an envelope, and in the envelope were 800 pounds. That's not a bad tip for a four. <laughs> what is going on? What's going on is the God of the universe is intimately involved. Life becomes, even money can suddenly become this extraordinary adventure because we're hearing the voice of God. Adventure number three. Being with Jesus and being people being Jesus to people all around us is an adventure. Every day of your life, there are some people in it. There are strangers, there are people. And part of the adventure of walking with God that we're called to, to be on is to be Jesus to people around us. Our words, our example, looking for opportunities to do acts of kindness. This wonderful little phrase of Jesus said, he went around doing good and healing the sick. We always emphasize the healing the sick bit, but Jesus went around doing good. In other words, he was just blessing people, doing good. The favor of the Lord was upon him. Part of the adventure is, who am I going to meet today? Who could I express something of the love of God and the mercy of God to on this particular occasion? You see, you have to wake up and realize that part of the adventure now for us as Christians is that literally now we are the hands of Jesus, the feet of Jesus. We are his voice, his heart to the people around. People are saying, well, I'll believe in Jesus when I can see him, when they're looking at you for a start. You could be part of the answer to that question, when will I see Jesus, because you, you, through you, and more and more and more, we're waking up to this, the evangelical church is realizing, I haven't got time to go into statistics, that there's a revolution going on in this country right now, from, from right up here in Scotland, right down to the south coast of the UK, and everywhere else, where churches are beginning to find amazing response as we express the love and mercy of Jesus to people. Now that can be done corporately through food banks and debt counselling and everything else which is happening, but it can always, always, always must be done through us as individuals. I'm not very good at this because I don't always like people very much. You're all looking at me, all of you. You look so holy, all of you, right now. <laughs> What's your problem? We love people. But people irritate me and, you know, the, I, listen, I have this joke that almost every plane we get on is there's some kid in the, in the row behind. And Liz says, because I say to her, well, it must be grace. And Liz says to me, when on earth are you going to learn the lesson so we don't have children sitting behind us in every flight? It's just kind of, ugh. And yet I've got to learn that this is one of the ways of being on an adventure that lives can be transformed by a word or an action. Now, I'm married to someone who's like this full-time. So at the end of the day, when we get together, we talk, this is life is full of, I met this person and that person. She actually chooses to shop in Lidl. 
It's become the most evangelistic, the most wonderful moment for her because all the nations of the world are there and the queues are long. Why are the queues long? Because Liz is chatting to somebody and paying for this <laughs> and giving them opportunities for that and expressing that. She is dynamically on an adventure every day. And when we come back to the end of the day and she tells me all her stories, I know what's coming. And you, dear? Um, well, actually, I didn't like that person. And I didn't. <laughs> it's kind of like the adventure that I've got to learn is that every day is a moment to reach people spontaneously. Adventure number four, doing the works or the miracles that Jesus did. The same anointing that's upon him is now upon us. To heal the brokenhearted, set the captives free. To see miracles begin to happen. This comes as a result of access to his presence. Here's the adventure again. The dwarfs have come, the shire's been messed up, you're out on a limb, you don't know what to do. This is where the miracles will start to happen. Because we're on this adventure and Jesus is with us. I don't work the miracles, he works the miracles. And he wants to see the sick healed through you. And he wants to see the captives set free, guess what, through you. And he wants good news proclaimed to the poor, but he wants to do it through ordinary you. He wants to express compassion to the world in which we live, and he wants to do it through you. All pointing to Jesus as the answer. How exciting is this? That today might be a day when the, the living God would use me to bring something of his healing power, of his liberty, of the fact that God is a miracle-working God. Just have a look at your hands for a moment. Just have a look at them. You can turn them over, the older ones amongst the seed blotches and things that weren't there once, and strange lines. They're not very pretty, are they, hands, to look at. They're just hands. That's all they are. Listen, those hands that you've just been looking at, when they become the hands of God and you lay these hands on people, you will start to see amazing things begin to happen. Please, please, you've heard this in this church before, let's say it again. The whole area of the miraculous is not down to celebrities or one or two people. This is for every person in the body of Christ. That every one of us gets to move in the gifts of the Spirit and every one of us gets to do the stuff that Jesus said, we can do this not of ourselves, but because of him. Do you ever find yourself saying, well, Jesus, if you're alive, why are we not seeing more things happen? I often wonder as I step back from people saying that, and I have this question in my mind, who's waiting for who? It's kind of, we're waiting for you, Lord, to do these miracles. And I sometimes think, yeah, and the Lord is saying, and I'm waiting for you. I've already commissioned you, I've already told you, but because you're in your shire, because you're stuck and not on an adventure. You, this is only going to come when you get out of your comfort zone, when you get out of the things you don't understand and into things that are beyond what you are. I just read this quote from Mike Pelavacci. I'm just going to give it to you. Some of you know what he's like. Most Christians have learned about a new and now believe in the gift of tongues. But how many praying tongues every day? Many of us have learned about and believe that Jesus can heal today. But how many of us regularly pray in faith for healing miracles? Lots of churches make space for the gift of prophecy. But how many of us have moved from beyond, I see a waterfall and God says he loves you? 
We have to move, listen to this, we've got to move from armchair belief to the obedience that is the outworking of faith. I'm too much in my armchair, and I believe from my armchair. I'm going to see more things happen in the name of Jesus when I get out of the shire, when I get off my, my backside, <laughs> off my, my armchair belief, and I begin to become obedient because Jesus has said, come on, you can do this. Let's go on an adventure together. I think this whole miraculous thing is about an adventure. And him saying, come on, I, I'm going to manifest my glory through you. Finally, adventure number five. And it's got to be the best thing of all, telling people about Jesus. If only this was my lifestyle. If only this could become our lifestyles. It would be a constant adventure. Who today will we talk to about the love and mercy of God? And if the, you'll know as well as I do, we see opportunities come along and when we don't take them. So, oh, there goes another opportunity. Don't worry, there's another one coming tomorrow. This is how God works. He doesn't condemn us when we, this whole evangelism thing, some of us get beaten, beating ourselves up. He doesn't condemn us for those things. He understands, he's with us, but there's another opportunity coming. And the adventure is being part of, of this journey to faith where we can actually have, can, can I please be part of this person coming to know Jesus by me saying some things and sometimes even them rejecting what I've said, but I'm part of the journey because someone else is going to have the next conversation and someone else is going to have the next conversation. I'm just a little bit part playing it, but I want to play my part because it's so important. Let's stand together. As we come to a close, I do really believe that the Lord wants to speak to people here, to individuals here. I think there are people here like me who perhaps would admit this morning, do you know what? My life is not the adventure that I thought it would be. Or I can remember the days when it was so exciting and so wonderful and always before me, but now I find myself looking at my life, looking at the past few months, maybe even years. I can't remember the last time I felt I was on an adventure. Father, I want to pray this morning that you will speak right now into the hearts of men and, pe men and women all over, down here, up in the balcony. You know us, Lord. You know where we're at. Would you come to us right now? If your life, in all honesty, this is before God, if your life in all honesty has become lacking in adventure, just become samey, and you know today that you want to respond, I'm not going to ask you to come to the front, but I'm just going to ask you to put your hand up where you are, because we want to pray for one another today. If that's you, would you put your hand in the air? Just know oh, this isn't really what it's supposed to be, and I, I just sense that God is speaking. It's wonderful. There's lots of people responding all over. This is between you and God. If you want to have some prayer, you can go to the ministry team at the end. You can get prayer for right now. This is a moment. Would you please, those of you lifting your hands, just say to the Lord, Lord, I, I really want you to come and invade my life. I, yes. I'm not made for the shire. I really am made for adventure. I feel it in me because you've come and invaded my life. I have faith, Lord, that wasn't there even 45, 50 minutes ago. I just feel a stir in my heart. 
that you're inviting me once again. You're taking me by the hand. You're leading me out of my armchair. And you're saying to me, come on, let's get back on an adventure. I think there's dozens, scores of people here today that if you'll take God at his word by faith, that this could be the beginning again of a new expectation of favour to God to invade your life. It won't all be easy. There are going to be these days as part of the adventure. is difficult days. But it really is adventure. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Lord, I cry, I cry out to you that as a people, because this isn't just an individual adventure, it's a corporate adventure, that we, the church, the people of God here today, whatever age we are and however long we've been a Christian, that we would wake up morning by morning with that expectation. Could this be the moment? What will God do today? And even in those very ordinary days, they'll be transformed as well because you'll be with me and your joy will be there. We ask it all together in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.